Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. song is a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God, I just pray that as we go into worship that we would... Just lift up every ounce of praise that we have. God, everything that you have told us, that we would just speak it right back to you. I just ask that you would meet us here with peace, with comfort. God, that any fear, any doubts we're having right now, we would just bring before you. We would lay them at your feet and understand that you are capable and you are willing to take those from us. So God, I pray that today as we take communion, that... um, that would just guide our worship, that we would be thinking about your body, thinking about your blood and your sacrifice. Amen. So God, help us to be brave and realize that being brave doesn't mean we're not afraid, but that we push through and we remember that you are in the boat. And so for the seas and the wind, that need to be calm, will you calm them? And if we just need to grab hold and hang on tight, give us the strength to do that. And make our faith rise up today that we would believe you are with us and that we are yours and you are ours. And that is what matters. I am yours, and you are mine. I don't have all the other answers, but I am yours, 
and you are mine and I have been called and I have been chosen and I am beloved. And may every person here today grasp that truth that they are the beloved of God and that you are with them. You are with us. You are with us, Emmanuel. You have never left us alone. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited. I do. I feel that heaviness Sarah was talking about. I think sometimes when we're in that tension as Christians, we want to alleviate it. And um, Christians need to know how to walk through it. And then create a space for other people to know that they, when they're walking through a heaviness, it's not just answerable like that, that it's okay. So I love that about our church, that, you know, there's seasons where Jesus feeds 5,000, and there's seasons where if Jesus doesn't walk on the water, people are about to freak out. And there's space for both of those, right? That's why mountaintops are easy to see is because there's few of them can't see the valley, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm just rambling at this point. Just one-liners about to come. Um, so Father's Day, Father's Day is next weekend. Um, anybody who has a father or someone near them, you might want to love on them really well. Um, just kidding. It's just a fun day for me. Sarah is actually preaching next Sunday on Father's Day. And she brings it so strong, so thick, right? Amen? All right, uh, I'm going to move forward. So we've been preaching through Mark, and we've all loved it. The whole staff has loved walking through it, talking through it. Um, what we've noticed in Mark so far through six chapters is it's pretty fast-paced. Um, there's a lot of miracles. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening, a lot of demon-possessed people a lot of um, just supernatural things left and right happening. And we've noticed that Jesus is trying to paint a picture of how he's more important than a sign. But that signs are important. They're not the end, but they are a sign. And a sign, like if you're riding down the street and you see a sign, it's pointing you to something, correct? Signs do that for Jesus. And so Jesus is trying to get the picture across that I am the bread of life and I will sustain you, but I have to be your everything. And so last week, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000, and specifically, the big takeaway for me was that after he had fed the 5,000, the crowd wanted to make him king, because who wouldn't love a king that can make bread? Because he could probably do it. So we started talking about how if Jesus would have rode that wave, he'd, been, he'd be known as the bread king instead of the bread of life. So he had to secretly send his disciples away. And calm the crowd so that people didn't crown him the wrong king. Because that happened over and over again so far. People want to crown him for things that he's not asking to be crowned for. He's not asking to be a king like David who used military force. He's not asking to be the bread king or even the miracle king. He's asking to be the great I am. Right? I remember the first time I heard that statement was because my family watched the movie, The Ten Commandments, pretty much every day when I was a kid. It was either that or Ben-Hur. Those are my two. Um, and I remember, I remember watching that movie as a kid and seeing, you know, when the burning bush started to talk and it said, 
Anybody seen the movie? Who knows what it says right there? I am that I am. I'm like, what are you even talking about? As a kid, that doesn't even make sense, right? That's like limitless. You are that you are. We want to label him. We want to make him an emphasized one thing. He is the I am. Like, that's a limitless, limitless understanding that causes us to say the same thing they've been saying all through this book. What is this? The word for manna is what is this? And then he has to give himself to explain it. And so, so today, we're going into the end of this chapter, chapter 6. And really quick first, though, it talks about, like I said last week, two things can kill you. Um, extreme hunger and wind can both kill you in bad situations. And we're about to talk about the wind here. Um, but just for clarity's sake, just darkness and wind or storms alone, outside of the spiritual understanding of what they are, are not something that we would typically mess with. If someone told you, I have this place at night I want to take you, it's going to be a storm, um, you're going to be out there by yourself, nobody would want to do that, right? Like the only, the only person I've ever remembered in history, and it was just through a movie, was in Forrest Gump, and it was Lieutenant Dan, when he decided he was going to take on the storm, and he like attaches himself to the pole, and he's like, it's either me or you, storm. We're not like that. Do you remember that scene? I remember that this morning. I was like, man, Lieutenant Dan, he was onto something. But we don't do that. So we don't do that. Like if, any of us naturally, if there's a dark place and if it's stormy, we're not going to want to go there. Like it's, there's something about not being able to see and being in, in an element where nature can kill you. That's horrifying. Horrifying. I have, are any of our kids in here? Man, I shouldn't share this, but I'm going to. No, I'm not going to. One of my children hates tornadoes like overwhelmed he hates tornadoes and <laughs> is he in here not shouldn't I shared that should I but I'm always like man a tornado's not gonna get you like sharks are gonna get you probably <laughs> I try and like scare him differently it doesn't work it's not him or her dang it don't talk to him about that guys right don't talk to him about that. I'm serious. Tell him that tornadoes are his friends, and that'll be good. I need to shut my mouth. Way. All right, we're moving forward. So, okay. So we do enjoy safe places. We look for them. We search for them, right? Like, that's not anything anybody would have to be told. Um, I love how in this story we're about to read a passage where Jesus is going from feeding 5,000 and it being easy to see. This is a, this is a king that is here. This is, this is amazing. It's Energies are high, right, straight into a boat in the night in a storm. Like, I love that because we wouldn't choose that. They didn't even choose the first one, but he did it for them anyway. But we definitely wouldn't choose the boat and the scary things. Um, but I want to read you really quickly, Mark. A couple chapters ago, we read a passage also about a boat that I just want to recap for you. So this is Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? 
And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? And it's important to note that it's the first time they've asked, Who is this and not what is this? So at this point in chapter 4, they've transitioned to, this is about a someone, not a something. So now, we jump into chapter 6, verse 45 and 40, verses 45 through 56, and it's about another boat story, right? Just for you guys to know, after I preached that to you guys, I had some just scary meetings, uh, just scary meetings with people who were intimidating. And I, Jesus gave me, well, I wouldn't, God, Jesus gave me a picture that whenever I walked into any of those situations, I would start to picture myself in a boat with him. And nobody knew this that I was meeting with, but when I would meet with like an intimidating person, I would literally picture in my mind and pray, I would be in a boat with Jesus. Like, that's maybe goofy to y'all, but it's really helpful to me. Whenever there's an intimidating situation, I've started, I've started to use that picture as a reminder. Like, with Jesus in this boat, I'm good, right? Like, there might be a storm all around me, but I'm good. And it might just be me being intimidated by impressive people. I'm good. It might be a bad situation happening in the church. I'm good, right? Like, I can't, I don't know how big the boat is. Probably could be, I think it's small in this picture, though. Just so that he can show, like, I don't need a big boat, bro. I can do it in a little boat. Um, he's asleep in the middle of a boat, right? So... I don't know what that does for you, but for me, that encourages me. It's, it's a something he gave me to walk through tough times. I love how he gives us symbols, right? Like in the previous passage we did last week, the bread is really a symbol. That's why this is still something we do. He's the bread of life, right? Like he, this is a symbol. He gives us symbols to cling to, like a carabiner or bread or baptism or foot washing, the Eucharist, so that we can be thrown back into a memory to show us this is who I am. Don't forget it. This is who I am. Don't forget it. When I don't feel like I have a buddy, I, I, got just, I just received two carabiners. Awesome. Like, that's encouraging. I'm not bragging. I'm not, I'm not care bragging. Don't care or hate. But whenever I see those, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull them out of my pocket later and be like, somebody said, you're, you're neat. Like somebody, I'm going to remember that. Like, this is a symbol connected to a thing to remind me of a thing, right? That's important. Right, that's really important for a Jesus who appeared in physical person and then died on a cross and gave a spirit that's unseeable, right? So symbols become really important. And in this passage, I think they do as well. So I'm going to read to you Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 56. Just remember, though, fed the 5,000. It's getting late. They want to make him king. And this happens. Immediately, he made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on a mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, which is extremely late, it's the 3 a.m.-ish hour, that some of you were probably awake, but none of us were probably awake. It was about the fourth watch of the night, and he came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to pass them. 
But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. (laughs) For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them. Man, that's interesting. I didn't even notice that until just then. He must have only got into the boat just for them, right? He could have just stayed, stayed on the water. Just because just, just we're humans, I'll get in the boat with you. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Genesaret and moored, which is like pulling it with a rope to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And whenever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched him, they were all made well. Any, any that touched were made well. That's pretty big. That's, I mean, that's a pretty big deal, I think, that any that touched him were made well. That presence, like, something about the presence of Jesus and touching made people well. That's nuts, okay? This is ridiculous, just for you to know, before you settle into what you've been raised in. All of this is ridiculous, okay? Understand that on the basis of we're saying we believe in something that is ridiculous. If you start there, it can't get really, like, crazy, right? It's not going to get crazier than that. It's crazy, but something about it is so strong that it pulls us through faith into saying, yes, we believe we will follow, right? I wasn't even planning on saying this, but let's not limit our faith. Why can't he do the things we have decided in our minds that he can't do? Let's just make sure those aren't just so that we fit into certain places. Does it make sense? Because we do look a little better if we're clean around the edges. It is costly to admit that I believe Jesus can actually heal people, even still today. It is costly to step out when you know that he's telling you to go do something. It's costly. You might lose your reputation. All of these guys did. All of them did for the sake of the gospel. And it was worth it to them, even to the point of losing their lives. So I want you to close your eyes with me. And I'm going to pray for you, okay? Here's your question as your eyes are closed. In what kind of season are you in right now in your life? And where is Jesus in relation to that? In what kind of season are you in right now in your life? And where is Jesus in relation to you? This is not for you to scream out. Just grab on to it. Where are, God, where am I? Where are, what season am I in? Am I in a boat? Am I in the middle of feeding 5,000? Am I in a dark spot where I can't see? Am I in a terrifying spot where it feels perilous? Am I in a spot where it feels like you're in my boat? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Father, that we would interact truthfully about who we truly are with you. And that we would be present with you as you are present with us. In Jesus' name. Okay, just walking you through this. So they get in a boat. It's night. They're pushed off. I don't know if you can be moored off, but you can be moored in. And Jesus is, I imagine he's on the shore, right? Like, guys, go get him. Go get him out there. 
Jesus turns around and walks. And I, at this point, I don't feel like they're like, Jesus, don't leave us. I just feel like they're like, all right, we got to get out of here. Like, this is about to get crazy. Like, get in the boat. Let's go. So there's separation. At some point, the wind starts to pick up. And they're probably thinking, Jesus is not with us. I, this is the best I can deduce. Jesus is not with us, and it's getting, hmm. All right, so wind picks up even more, even more. It's been hours. They're in the thick of it, and they start to cry out because they're scared in a boat. Jesus is not with them. Jesus notices this because he's been praying. And just for you to know, I said this last week, there's only three times Jesus goes away to pray like this. And in every scenario, a group of people were trying to, not, to let him not do it the way he wanted to do it. Specifically, they didn't believe that suffering, rejection, and death should be a part of his kingship. So in that scenario, he had to remove himself and go pray. Because people thought that he shouldn't have to suffer. He shouldn't have to do that. But he had to do that. So evidently there was something so strong in him or some kind of pull in his humanity that he separated for a long time, here hours and hours to pray. And in the midst of his prayer, he sees his friends in the middle of a lake, almost dying, and he has compassion on them, like the compassion he had on the crowd when they needed to eat. He begins to drop his J-bombs and walk on water. Like just Some of these stories are like, ah. That's crazy. Just walking on water. And he's going to walk past him. All right. Why? I'm just going to walk right past you. The disciples are in a boat. There's Jesus walking on the... Please just shake your Christianity right now. Just think of the words I'm saying. They're in a boat. Jesus is walking on water that's in a storm. I don't even know what that looks like. If I tried to color that, it'd be like... It's not like calm waters, right? It's a storm that's going to kill them. Jesus is somehow walking on that, and it probably looks, I don't know. And they look at him, and they think he is a ghost, which is so like us. To be with Jesus the day before and see him feed 5,000 and be in the thick of like the mountaintop experience and then to not even be a day away from him in a boat and to feel like when he shows up, it's not even him. For that Jesus to be here, that's, that's not him. Like, we do that all the time. We, we'll pray a prayer. And I, like in my prayer closet, which I don't have, that's just my living room. God, I just want to see this happen. And I feel his presence, and I feel juiced up, and I know he's with me. And then he'll be in the midst of answering a prayer. And I'll be like, that is so random. That is so random that that would happen. It's just randomness, right? Like, it has to be. No. It's Jesus. He's not a ghost. He's Jesus. That's who he is. To me, the most baffling part of this miracle is it's, that, it's a miracle embedded within another story. This is still a story about the loaves, which the first eight, I, I read these passages literally like a hundred times a week. The first eight or ten times I read that, I could not figure out why when they were talking about him getting in the boat. They were astonished, that, and they didn't understand the loaves. To me, that's not what this is about. This is about the other boat experience. They were already in a boat, and he already showed up to save them. This should have said, and they were astonished because they didn't understand what happened in the previous boat. 
That's why I read it to you, because they had already been in this situation. But it says they were astonished because they didn't understand about the loaves. And what is even more fascinating is that previously, 12 baskets were filled to the brim and taken away from the situation. Remember that? They fed the 5,000. They had how many loaves and how many fish? And at the end, there were 12 baskets, and they believe it's because they think the disciples all brought a basket. And then the disciples, at the end, had just all of them, like even bigger, like like, uh, what's house on, Little House on the Prairie? Like, get that picture. Like, everybody's like, ba- just baskets full of stuff. <laughs> and if they're the disciples' baskets, my guess is that when they got in the boat, they took the bread in the boat with them. And in the boat is this bread. And in the previous passage, Jesus is trying to show them, I'm not the bread king, I'm the bread of life. And I'm teaching you now that I do this. But you're going out into a storm, and you need to understand when you can't physically see me that I'm still with you. And at that moment, I just kind of feel like they were probably like, oh, they're stinking bread in our boat from this previous miracle. There's bread in the boat. And they're looking down like, oh, yeah, oh. But they didn't understand the loaves. They didn't understand that they had everything that they needed. They thought they were going to die. And so Jesus says to them, you didn't understand the loaves. It's all about the loaves, guys. He's not, he, as he's not the bread king, he's also not the wind king. He is the I am. And if we are his, he is with us always. And there will be stormy seasons. Specifically for these guys, it gets much stormier. It gets much hairier. So he shows them through these symbolic things, here's what I do, here's who I am. Not so that they can call on the bread king and the wave king, but so that they will throw themselves onto him. And then he does this amazing gesture where he steps into a boat that he doesn't need to get into. And as he steps into the boat, the storm stops. All is peaceful. And as they're on their way to their destination... They reach their destination in the boat. He becomes, this makes me want to cry. I don't know why. I don't cry much. He becomes the destination. So they stop even caring about the shore. He becomes the destination. I just believe, literally, all of these stories are trying to teach us that Jesus is the destination. He is the destination. So I love this picture. I remember when we started this church. We had to step outside of a lot of stuff that you've all heard too many times. And I remember sitting in a church and feeling like, we don't know what we're going to do. We're at a church. What are we going to do? Not knowing where to go, how to do it, feeling like we were called to plant a church. I was horrified by three things specifically. Worship's really important to me. I don't know any worship leaders right now. Like, God, who's going to come with us? I don't. How do you tell people to come with you to a church, like to a church plant? I hate church invites. That's a part of, like, maybe there's a good way to do it. I hate, like, the invite plan from churches. And our initial in route is, will you come with us? Oh, geez. So let's just maybe make it about relationship. Will you just hang with us? It's not really a church. If you could just hold that Bible. Pray for them. Administer communion. It's just friendship. Um... 
And then the third thing was, how do we pick a place to go? Like all these things. And I was tempted in this spot. To me, that was a darkness, not in kind of a depressing way, but just there's dark. Like, I don't know where to go. These things are really important. And it was like, just like one, two, three. God answered all of them. Like all three of them. And all of them in God ways. Some through dreams, some through supernatural faith while watching a worship leader at a massive church in and others through just being God honest with people. God answered all of them. But I was tempted in that spot to start to create my own program. I was tempted in a spot where it was dark and a little stormy to do my own thing to, to administer results. Which I think is what a lot of us do in those spots that he wants us to be in. As he's up praying for us or interceding for us on the right hand of the Father. As he's interceding here on a hilltop for them. I think what he wants us to do is stick out the storm to a spot where we have to throw ourselves to trust him, right? And so, I want to read you a passage in a second, but I really want to pray for people today. Three things. One, specifically, is just in our community, someone who just feels in peril. You just feel literally like there's nothing that can be done. I don't know. I, I don't know what to do. Like I, I don't know what to do. I want to pray for the people who can't see what to do. You're not in peril, but you just don't know what to do. You're just... And then I want to pray for people, like in this passage, who are worn, slapped out from serving 5,000 people. That might be a metaphor for some of you, but some of you know who you are. You are just worn out. You are depleted. I want to pray for you because I'm not saying it's time for you to rest forever, but I'm saying to you, if that is your model in life to serve others, he will be enough for you. And I also believe that like in the 5,000, the true picture of Jesus here is when someone has a need, that we are the people who step in, even when it's uncomfortable. Even when we look at our stuff and we're like, I don't know if you saw this, Jesus, but I got five loaves, two pieces of fish, and a cracker. I got a stick of gum. We all can say that. We all can say, I don't know if you see this, Jesus, but I've never spoken in front of people before. I don't know if you see this, Jesus, but I've never prayed with anybody before. I don't know if you see this, Jesus, but I'm just, I just have this sales job. I don't know if you see this, Jesus, but I don't like to speak to people with words. I don't know if you see this, people, but I'm an extra oververt. I don't even know what that is. But... <laughs> Past extrovert is an oververt, and you do not want to mess with an oververt. I don't know if you see this, Jesus, but I didn't go to seminary. I don't know if you see this, Jesus, but like my family right now is struggling. I don't know if you see this, Jesus. I don't know if you see this, Jesus. I don't know if you see this, Jesus. And he's like, I see it. I see it. We still got to feed them. We still got to feed them. So get whatever you got and bring it. We're going to have a little buddy up together. Bring all your fish and loaves. And then all of a sudden, after serving in the right place, there's never been a time when I knew I was supposed to serve someone. There have been times when I shouldn't be serving because it's about identity to me and it's about performing or acceptance. Every time I knew that I was supposed to serve someone who had a definite need, I have always left feeling like I was full. I can't explain it, but it's a lot like what happened last week when they leave with 12 baskets full of bread if that's you, if you're just burnt out, I just pray that God would give you overflow of bread, which is his presence. So I want to read you Isaiah 41, 10 through 13, and then we're going to do some prayer. 
fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are increased incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God. Hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. With your eyes closed today, really simply put, if you are right now saying to him, I do not understand, could you just do me a favor? With your eyes closed, look around your feet. Is there a basket of bread from some time in your life when he proved to be the great I am? Is there something that reminds you, this is still me? Is there anything he ever did that's in your boat right now as a symbol to show you, you can still throw yourself completely on me. I am the destination. Is there anything? For those of you who just feel like you have to get to this spot, I've got to get to. My prayer is that you would fall head over heels in love with Jesus and his presence and that you wouldn't care where you were as long as he is in the boat. That he wouldn't be the God who needs to get you to shore, but he would be the God who is in the boat. says, my peace I give you, I do not give it as the world gives. He says, fear not, but have faith. He says, I love you so much that I walk through seasons where you even think I'm a ghost. You even label me when I'm not. But I still come to you. All of the disciples in the boat had a desire for him to come into the boat. My prayer, Jesus, is that we as a community and singularly would desire that you would come. Even in our misunderstanding. Even in our lack of knowledge. Even if we're astounded every time you do the same thing and you're like, this is just who I am. prayer is that we would make you the destination, not a job, not a wife, not a husband, not a family, not a political stance, not anything would be a destination that if we could just get there, but that you would be the destination, God. And then you can, as the illustrious Kelly Underwood says, you can take the wheel. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Father, we just say, we say thank you that you're the bread of life. And each day you're manna. You give us what we need for that day. And we thank you that you build trust through those situations. We thank you that there's, there's definitely more boats than there are 5,000 people fed. So become the destination. And at the end of this chapter, it said that anyone who touched you was healed. I don't see a reason why that can't happen again. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm saying you do what you need to do. But I just believe, Jesus, that you can heal. So why not today? So as we pray and as we seek, we pray that your presence would just saturate, fill, and just overwhelm us with your goodness. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Just for a few moments, just respond. Now to him who is able to establish you according to his gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation, the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone, wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Father, we love you and we thank you. We go this week and expectancy of being in the boat with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.